Hey guys, just a quick heads up before the podcast. Uh, so we recorded this on Monday afternoon before the Royals uh, called up Nikki Lopez to the major leagues. So there is some discussion about Nikki Lopez and Chris Owings. Obviously, Nikki Lopez is coming up. We didn't talk about that. Uh, but the rest of the podcast should work. Uh, just want to give you a quick heads up. Thanks for listening. Hey, Mick, I have a, I have a quick thing about uh, the Royals. That's why we're here. Um, so they played their 40th game this past weekend. Um, so what what poll do you think they passed? It's the quarter poll. The thing is, it's not the quarter it's poll. It's not the quarter it's poll. It's not the quarter poll. The quarter poll is in horse racing when you're when you have 25 percent oh. of the race left. People get that really? wrong. Really? Yeah, we say it every year. Hey, so are they're they at, at the, the quarter th- poll. They're at the quarter <laughs> poll. No, they're not actually at the quarter. They're at the three quarter poll. Um, I don't know what the first one is called. <laughs> uh, maybe it could be. But anyway, it's Dodd Save the Royals. Right now, we're going to talk about the Royals at the twenty-five percent poll. <laughs> um, we're going to chat about some of the the flaws, the positives, all that sort of stuff. Uh, the lower attendance, and then we're going to have a couple of uh, Royals fans on and get the pulse of the fan. It's Dodd Save the Royals right now. Good little anecdote, I thought, there, Rustin, that yeah. you just came up with. So that makes sense. I know nothing about horse racing. I would have thought that um, horses could veer over into each other or, like, cut each other off on a muddy track in big races, and that was no big deal. But apparently I was wrong on that. Uh, so now you educated me even more. Yeah. I, same thing. I didn't realize that you couldn't do that in the derby. And then somebody was like, uh, well, actually, like, if, if you're crashing into each other, like, you know, people could like die. You know, horses. Well, get, you know, I'm like, well, oh, yeah. There's actually there's inherent risk in like true. any sort of sport you do. People could die if you do everything right, right? Yeah. We had that in in, uh, in NASCAR Saturday at Kansas Speedway. Clint Boyer was upset. A guy got in front of him. It's like, what was supposed to do? Wreck him? Wasn't good racing there. Now it wasn't a penalty, but it was kind of it broke some unwritten rules, I guess, in racing. Mm. Who knows? I was never fast. Nor a horse, so uh, I wouldn't know about that. Hey, welcome to Dodd Save the Royals. I'm Mick Schaefer of 41 Action News. Rustin Dodd joins us as well of The Athletic. We have, we have more guests we uh, do. coming up as well in the uh, second segment. But here in the first segment, we're going to talk about the quarter pole, the three-quarter pole, whatever, the 41-ish game mark that the Royals are at right now. We're going to talk about Nikki Lopez which might me, lead me into a question about Bubba Starling as well to Rustin, and then attendance. And not in a positive way, attendance. Yeah. Turns out winning has something to do with the number of fans that show up. Who knew? Yeah. We do now. Uh, but let's start here. So the whatever poll we're at, right, quarter poll, three-quarter poll, 25% poll, your biggest takeaways, because we talked about this last night on Sunday, uh, Sound, Off. Sunday Sound Off, your biggest takeaways, because it it's a weird deal in, like, this team is so bad. The results are so bad. I mean, they haven't won a series since mid-April when they swept the Indians, and it's only been two series overall they've won. But then there's so many bright spots. There's a lot of silver linings on this squad, but the two are just kind of mutually not not connected to each other whatsoever. Yeah, so the Royals are basically like on the same pace uh, this year as they were last year. I think they're on the pace right now for about 106 or 107 oh. losses. Um, so you would think, bad season, right? Weren't, well, I guess after May, they were on pace for like 116 well, losses, last, right? Yeah, last year, I mean, they got um, 
May yeah, sucked. They, yeah, they. I mean, at one point they or was were, it April. One of the they two. were on pace for about 115 or 120. Yeah, I think it's April and June stung. Yeah, last year. So, but like the the pace so right now is very similar to last year, and so you would think, okay, this has been sort of a lost season, um, but. Like there are so many other like positives. You can see the pieces to coming together. You can see sort of like the future sketch of the lineup. You have uh, Hunter Dozier playing, you know, like in an all-star level third base. You have Adalberto Mondesi, um, you know, coming into his own. Whit Merrifield is having another great season. All three of those guys are under club control through 2023. Um, and so you see sort of like those pieces. You see some other young pitching that's not so good, but you know. You see, kind of like what the mm-hmm. like it, they don't feel that far away. Right? No, Nick? they don't. I don't think they are. I mean, but they, but but the I think they. I mean, they kind of are, right? I mean, when you're when you're on pace for 100 losses, you are. But like the the flaw of this team is that they don't have rotation like yeah. depth. They don't really have much pitching. Their yeah. bullpen. Uh, you see some pieces there, but again, like yeah. they're they're a ways away. So it's like. It, it kind of feels like the Royals in like 2011, 12, yeah. when they were kind of getting closer. And it's like, okay, if they get some pitching, you know, they'll be right there. But would, that's that's you know easier said than done. I'd take that timeline. I'd take being the Royals of 2011 right now. Meaning in 2013, you're they were contenders, right? Re- relatively speaking, in 2013, obviously you got to the World Series the next two years after that. But I don't know three. I would say. Three arms away. What if you got, what if you, I mean, if, if Kowar and Singer just come in and are studs, are number two and number three guys, and then you get a back into the bullpen guy, would that be enough to, to make this team into a contender? Yeah, I mean, well, theoretically, if those guys were, were all, like, as you said, studs, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they're all in high A right now, so they're not particularly close. Uh, you know, maybe best case scenario, a couple of those guys are arriving, uh, you know, next summer. Um so you, it still feels like, you know, they really need guys like uh, Brad Keller to kind of get things his mojo back. Jacob Juniston, he sort of needs to be that back end of the rotation starter. Mm-hmm. They have a couple of guys at, at Omaha, like a Scott Blewett. We don't talk about him much, but he's kind of like an innings eater, very similar to Keller in ter- terms of body type and stuff and what kind of starter he might be. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like they they are ways away, but, like, you can you can start to see, hey, maybe – um, you know, maybe you spend a little bit of money next off season. Maybe 2020 can be a year where you can can make a move. Maybe it's 2021. But um, I, I think the one nice thing, the difference we like to compare, you know, this Royals build, you know, similar mm-hmm. to the last one. But one way where I think they are like a little bit ahead of schedule, or not, that's not the right way to put it, but they're in better position is that. They've already got Mondesi and guys like Hunter Dozier and Whit Merrifield here. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be bringing a lot to the major leagues or, or can theoretically. They got a lot of talent in the lower minor leagues. So they should be graduating a lot of guys to the big leagues in the next two to three years. And if you're and if you're not necessarily like, hey, the entire – like in 2010, 11, felt like you had to graduate the entire team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had Alex Gordon, Billy Butler, and you had Zach Greinke. So maybe it's similar, but – you know, they, they moved Grinky, got a couple of pieces, and then they obviously Gordon and Butler were, were there for kind of the, the rise. But it felt like you had to graduate so many pieces mm-hmm. in the major leagues. This time around, it's like you have, you know, you have some core pieces already in place. So you're going to be graduating a lot of guys in the major leagues. And, um, you know, if, if, some, if enough pitching hits, yeah. it, it feels like you can see the way forward. 
Yeah, I feel like the the reason this team is losing the bulk of their games is the bullpen, and the bullpen theoretically yeah, I mean, is it, the easiest to fix. Right. I mean, I think it, definitely early. I mean, I think in the last, if you just broke it down, the last two to three weeks, the rotation has been yes, has been, it's been has struggling. Been yep. A bigger issue than the bullpen. I mean, together they both. I think their ERAs are both around five or a little higher. Um, you know, if you look just the Royals' run differential, uh, I should have looked at this before we started recording, but they lost seven to one last yesterday, so it, yeah. didn't, it didn't help. It uh, didn't help this weekend. I, I remember going into the finale with the Astros Thursday. The Royals had scored 180, and their opponents had scored 182, and they were like 11 games under 500. Yeah, I mean, if you just, I think they're probably now maybe like more closer to minus 15 in run differential. Um, but yep. if you if you look at that over a 40 game sample, you're talking about a team that should be. Uh, you know, maybe four to five to six games under 500. If that, yeah. So, I mean, they should be considerably closer to 500, even just with what their with the with their performance. But their record in one run games is three and eight, and their bullpen has not been good. And now you see kind of the issues with the starting rotation. Yeah. Especially if I mean, Danny Duffy's been back and his ERA has been good. He's it's in the you know the low threes. But Brad Keller and Jacob Junis are not going to be consistent. You know, over you know. It, things start to feel a little bleak. Yeah, they do. And so um, it used to be the bullpen everybody's complaining about. Now it's a guy by the name of Chris Owings. They should have listened to Dodd Save the Royals. I think episode one or two this year when you told us, hey, this guy named Chris Owings, he's going to be on the team, and he's going to play. He is Ned's guy because people are just now coming around to that, and they are they are frustrated, Rustin. Right, I mean, this. I guess you should be. I mean, um I don't know exactly where I want to start with here, but Ned did say about a week ago when the team was in Detroit that Owings was going to play less, so that they're going to back off, and that really what he—I mean, his role should be just a utility guy, right? See, holding a spot for Nicky Lopez—that's what I'm trying to get to. Here. Yeah. Okay. So yes, yes and no, right? I mean, like that roster spot probably is um, Nicky Lopez's spot, right? When Nicky Lopez is ready, Chris Owings is probably not going to be on the team. But it's it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, we talked to Dayton Moore over the weekend, and his explanation for why Nicky Lopez is not up is kind of twofold, threefold. Mm-hmm. I don't know, um, some fold, <laughs> multiple number of folds. Yeah. So the the problem is is that they started the season and they were going to have Whit Merrifield play a lot of right field, mm-hmm. and they were going to put Owings at second. You know, he'd, he'd jump around, but it'd be at second a lot. And right off the bat, the Royals noticed that Wood Merrifield was running more than they wanted him to in the outfield. They they have numbers like Statcast data, like you know in like soccer, it's like work rate. How mm-hmm. much does a guy run? He was just basically putting too much uh, you know, like burden on his legs, and so they were afraid that he was going to get injured. So they wanted to move him back to second. They wanted him to be primarily at second base until Sunday. And and Dayton Moore told um, the B writers this on Saturday until Sunday. 24 hours later, he had not made another start in right field since April 11th. So they kind of changed. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, we need Whit Merrifield at second base. So then, if Whit Merrifield is playing second base, you got Modesty at shortstop. You know, where is Nicky Lopez going to play? Okay, he could come up. Um, he could maybe make a couple of starts a week at second. He could maybe you know start at shortstop when Modesty's not going to be there. Has he played in right field in the no, minors this no, year I at mean, all? No. I okay. Mean, his, his two spots are short in second. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm getting at, and the, what the Royals will point out is, yeah, if there's room right now for Nicky, he can't play center field either, right? Chris Owings can start in center when Billy Hamilton needs yeah. a day off, which is why he's on the field a little bit yeah. more too. 
if they brought Nicky Lopez up right now, he could probably start maybe three, four days a week, maybe more. But like, you know, you, you, you're going to be looking for if you got Wood Merrifield, who you want to play at second consistently and you have uh, Montessi at short, you're going to be looking for places to play him. So mm-hmm. they're thinking at least the way they've described it is, hey, we don't want him playing three or four times a week right now. That may change in July and August when once he gets, you know, 200 at bats in the, in the season and we feel comfortable of, of just kind of graduating to the big leagues then. But they don't want to do that the first couple of weeks of May yeah. when there's only been, you know, five or six weeks of the season. So that's, I mean, the the thinking behind it. Now, maybe in, in the future they're going to, you know, find a way to say, hey, okay, Wit, we're going to put you in right field. Be careful, you know, you're too valuable for us to give up. So, you know, like, or maybe next year Alex Gordon's not on the team. Witt kind of graduates to left field. I don't know. There's ways you can do it. But if they want Witt Merrifield playing second a lot, which they say right now they do, um, it's tough for Nicky Lopez yeah. to be on the field. But, I mean, he's going to be up. Again, like, I, I understand the frustration, but the Royals, as we said, they're on pace for 100 losses. Um, it's May. Yeah, he's gonna be up soon, and I guess the, the I understand the frustration because you have a guy getting a lot of at bats who's hitting 140, and you have theoretically one of your top two or three or four or five prospects who who could replace him. Mm-hmm. I get it, but it like I un, I understand like the 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 explanation. You know, people may not love like or disagree with it, but like it, it I do think it makes sense to me at least. So Lopez will be up eventually. Royals fans. What about Bubba Starling? He's been doing well in the minors this year. Who would have to? Who's holding him back? Is it Billy Hamilton still? I guess so. I mean, honestly, I, I, I it would you would add a little wrinkle and complications in terms of uh, Jorge Solera would need to DH quite a bit. Um, but like right now, it, it does feel like there's a spot for him in right field if they if they wanted to. But I think the difference is with. With Nicky Lopez, they see that he's almost ready. You know, he might mm-hmm. be ready now, um, but you know, they like if if a guy's ready, the Royals like, hey, let's wait a couple more weeks. Let's make sure he's really ready. Mm-hmm. With Bubba Starling, I think they're a little bit like, if we uh, wait a couple weeks, he might be <laughs> no, drop no, no, hundred no, points no. in his batting average. No, no. like I I think it's more like, hey, does it guy, matter if he's ready at this point? It's like, okay, we just it's been well, nine eight years. I think they they look at it the the other way and they're like, all right, he hasn't been. Um, you know, he's been hurt a lot, hasn't played a lot in the last two years. Before that, the track record was spotty on the offensive side. Like, let's make sure this is real, right? Like, let's let's really like let's just let him play, you <laughs> yeah. know. And and I think that's more the thinking with him right now. Okay. And he's not on. He's well, Nicky Lopez is not on the forty man roster either. So that's, but Bubba's not either. So yeah. both of those guys will require a reduction somewhere. I I just think I mean. I think the second half makes more sense for Bubba, like um, especially after the trade deadline. Yeah, and maybe when nobody's there to watch it. Because if Nicky Lopez and Bubba Starling come up, Rustin, and nobody's there to see it, did they Did they come up? Did it actually happen? We won't know, I, I guess. Because okay. the, the attendance has not been good. It's down. That's what I'm getting so at. So I wrote a story at The Athletic a few weeks ago. I'd hope um, so. That's your job. I did. So... Um, attendance is always bad in April, right? I mean, across the league, it's just down. Uh, the Royals was down, though, from last year's April as well. And last year, their attendance was down, I think, 25% for the year. Um, and again, it's down, uh, I think, 
at when I wrote the story, it was down maybe 13%. Um, from last year? Yeah, from yeah. last year at that point. I have the numbers just in total, but I actually don't really want to dwell on this too much. But, like, they're 26th in baseball right now. They're averaging 16,000 uh, per game. Um, the Orioles, Pirates, Rays, and Marlins are worse. So, but, like, I was, I've been thinking about this, Mick, and, and you can jump in at any point because I'm interested in, in your thoughts. But, like, we write a lot about attendance Right, like, oh, attendance is down. Oh, there aren't as many fans there. Like, the Royals obviously want there to be more fans. This is hurting, like, the bottom line. All these sort of things. Um, like, do we pay too much attention to it? Because if they really wanted, like, more, like, the Royals are smart. Uh, baseball teams are smart. They're just like any other business, whether it's a movie theater or a zoo or a aquarium. Right, like, like the aquarium. Uh, how much does it cost to go to, like, the World War? Uh, one mu- museum, sure. like know. the Liberty Memorial or whatever. How much? Is it like twenty Eleven dollars, twenty bucks. Sure, okay. right. Like, so if if it costs five dollars to go to that museum, they would get more people, right? Mm-hmm. But they they they're trying to make money, or at least trying yes. to like raise money to keep that museum in good shape. My point is, is like, it is a business where they're like they have a price point where they're maximizing like revenue, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, and and so I don't know. I guess it's. If the Royals wanted there to be more fans, they can make tickets cheaper. But it, that might not necessarily like help, like the bottom line yeah. for the business. So I don't know. It's just hard to. Uh, well, what's the uh, what's the percentage uh, that um, revenue from uh, ticket sales goes to the bottom line? What what percentage of the bottom line of of their revenue is from ticket sales? Because I mean, the the check from Fox Sports Kansas City is the same. Whether they go zero and seven in a week or seven and zero, right? Right. So I the Royals rely on uh, gate attendance more than most because their their TV deal is not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have seen sort of like a phenomenon in baseball the last few years where because teams get so much now from from television deals and other other like other revenue streams, there is less um, incentive. Like there, it the product on the field like. Winning and losing dictates attendance, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just obvious. But teams are less concerned about losing maybe as much as they used to be because they used to really take a bath yeah. in terms of ticket sales. Now they have all these other revenue streams. They can still kind of like yeah. keep afloat. Yeah. So and I don't know the math. Maybe maybe there's math on it that if your ticket sales are down twenty five percent from last year, you raise tricking fingers to another 25 cents or something like that and that evens it out or the beer goes up another 50 cents and that that helps uh, offset the uh the number of people who aren't yeah. going. but you're you're right there are smart people there there are finance people there they have figured out a way okay this is our price point okay things aren't going well here we're, we will make up for it in in this area here they're not just going to stand pat and just take a bath as you said yeah so um Anyway, that was just my uh, my on my hobby horse about it. It just feels like we we like we write a lot about attendance, and I guess I'm as guilty as anybody um, because like it's you know we want to use it as some sort of uh, kind of uh, symbol for it's like a, a gauge of how good the team is or yeah, how good I mean, how, well baseball's dying in America or something like that. The, There's it's always that. I haven't mentioned this yet, but in this in the story I wrote, the Royals uh, television ratings are also up over last year, like twenty percent. Um, 
So hmm. more like the, I guess, I don't know if this totally fits like this. You could almost say that the people that are not going this year are just like, okay, we're just watching on TV now. Kansas City people, we watch stuff on TV. <laughs> it is amazing. And it's not just like Chiefs ratings that are always through the roof or NFL stuff, Super Bowl. They're always at the top. You look at like NBA. We don't have an NBA team. We're watching that in Kansas City. It's like a, it's like, who was it? Uh, Raptors and, uh, and Sixers, uh, Sixers uh, last night. I'm, I'm guarantee if Philly was at the top, then Toronto, and then Kansas City was probably top five because we, we love we love sports in this town. We just watch stuff. Yeah, maybe we don't always go to it, but we always have our TVs on. <laughs> it does seem like, and again, does like the experience of watching sports on television is so good. Yeah, that it's not surprising that less. Or fewer people go. Well, and then the weather in this area is not always so good. And so, yeah, why does, man, we got 70 inch in the basement, right? Yeah. Um, I so. say this a lot because people uh, ask me about just being at all the games. I learn a lot more. Like, uh. I, I absorb a game a lot better when I watch it on Absolutely. television than when I'm watching from the press box because. You like there's TVs up there, but you don't have the the batter like just the angle of the batter pitcher batter like strike zone and all those sort of things. Well, then also the announcers they're creating a narrative for 95 plus percent of the fans out there because they're at home watching the game. The other 20,000 maybe or so fans are at the stadium. They don't know what you know Denny and Ryan are talking about, but. Whatever they decide to talk about, that's what all the fans are going to talk about the next morning. So Mike Maruzars, who used to be over here at 41, he taught me a great thing. We, we would go to these Chiefs games. Uh, New England was the first time I saw him do this. He you listened his, to the radio? He, no, not the radio. He listened to the broadcast. The, uh, you know, the TV one? Uh, the Sunday night yeah. folk, you know, the um, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. He would listen to that and watch it. It'd be behind a little bit, but he, like he, like you said, he got the full experience. He he. He was into the game so much more than just us up in the corner of the uh, of the stadium in the press box trying to watch the game. Technically, being at the game, we were. But no, you're right. You experience it a lot more by by uh, taking in what everybody else is watching on TV. Okay, do you want to? Let's do it. Oh, let's we're gonna break. This. Hey, when we come back, uh, we're gonna get the pulse of the fan. We got a couple of special guests. Special guests. We're gonna get the pulse of the fan. We have found a couple Royals fans out there who are still cheering on the team, and we will cheer them on. Stay with us on Dodd Save the Royals. And we're back here on Dodd Save the Royals. Mick Schaefer, Rustin Dodd, and a couple of guests. That's right, Matt and Scott. They are Royals fans. Yes. What? Well, I was going to set it up. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I didn't mean to jump on you. I'm sorry about that, but I was not going to say their last names to protect the innocent here. Just Matt and Scott. That's as far as we're going to get, but the Royals fans, what, what do you have there? Well, I was going to say, um, I feel like there's been a, a lot of tension on the on the Twitters the last few days, Mick. People are like... There's mo- always tension yeah, on there, the Twitters. There, there is. Emotions are running high. A lot of... Uh, a lot of venting, a lot of frustration. So I just wanted to bring in a couple of actual real life, lifelong Royals fans um, to, to sort of like let's let's see where they're at. And they are real. Uh, we have one in studio here, Matt. We can reach out and pinch him. You're real in the flesh. I, I am real. Okay, I'm real. Scott, are you real or are you a uh, robot on the phone? I'm I'm real. No, I'm I'm fighting the cold, as you can tell. So, so yeah. robots don't get colds. I might, I might be sedated. You know, robots don't get colds. That is a real person right there. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, well, happy to be here. Well, happy to have you. Rustin, what do you want to start okay, with so these I'm, two I'm gonna real st- fans? I'm going to start with Scott. So he's uh, he's an out-of-town Royals fan. He's from Kansas City. Grew up here, obviously, uh, but then moved away. So he follows the Royals from afar. And Scott has lots of thoughts about uh, the, the 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 rebuild, the plan. And I'm wondering, he was before the season. He was very he was very optimistic. He was like, "There's a lot to watch this year." Very excited. And I'm wondering, Scott, now that now that we're 40 games in, the Royals are headed for 100 losses. Where are you at? How are you feeling about uh, where this plan is going forward? You know, I think I said I was I was effusive and excited uh, and pumped for the season, and I think I've dialed that back a little bit. Uh, not not quite there, uh, but there, you know, to me, it's it's kind of a tale of two lineups. When when one through six in the standard night is hitting, I'm I'm tuned in, and when seven through nine is is uh, is up, I'm not. So you know, I think it's. There's some things that are far better than anything I thought there would be. You know, I never thought Hunter Dozier was going to be hitting, you know, 330 or whatever he's hitting now. And, um, you know, Gordo's been great. So there's there's a lot of positives. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's when we keep getting punched in the face with with the same crew uh, at the back end of the lineup, it makes it a little bit difficult to stay to stay engaged. But, you know, overall, wish the starting rotation was maybe a bit better. Uh, bullpen's not what it was the first week or two of the season. Um, so, you know, there's still some positives. I'm, I'm still, I'm still there. I'm still paying attention, which is uh, far different than I think for me the last couple of years. What's, what's the most frustrating aspect for you? I, you know, I think, and we, we've, we've heard this offline from me here for a while now, but you know, I never thought that Billy Hamilton or Chris Owings or Lucas Duda were going to be anything different than they've been, you know, for the last three years. And to, to quote, uh, to quote Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. And I think uh, when, when we made those signings, which weren't insignificant financial commitments for a team like this, you know, I know it was one year deals, but it, this isn't a complete reclamation project, minor league contract type thing. Uh, and when we made the signings, this is a hundred percent exactly what I expected. Um, and I'm certainly not a not a general manager in Major League Baseball. I'm not suggesting I am, but I, this is exactly what I expected from to see them trotted out. Um, I, I will say your story from the weekend. I at least buy that take that you know there's something in the metrics with which you know legs and they don't want them running around or you know, the soft contact thing, and that's all fine and good. Uh, but, you know, if they want, if the Royals want us to sign up for watching knowingly bad baseball pretty much night in and night out and do it with a smile on their face, I think they need to kind of return the favor here and give us something new to watch. So, you know, somebody other than, you know, one, 172 Chris Owings. Um <laughs> I think you so, nailed it on the dot too. That's that's what he's batting to this second. He's been monitoring. <laughs> I think it's lower than that. Is actually. it? Is it lower than one seventy four under one forty? Scott Scott's a positive person. Then he's putting a, he's you know he's upping the uh, the average there for for Chris Owings. And I think you're right, yeah, Scott. I mean, a lot of one for five last night to raise the average. Right. And so I I, I think when fans. When they, like you said, admittedly aren't general managers, but they follow baseball, they know baseball, and when they when they throw out their hands up in the air about a Chris Owings or a Lucas Duda, and stuff like this happens exactly 
like you thought it would, then you're like, okay, yeah, why, why, why did I, Mr. Just Regular Joe Royals fan, why did why did we figure this out and the general manager didn't, or at least he thought something else was going to happen? Uh, Matt, what about you? You were saying you've burned all your Royals gear, correct, and uh, sworn off any sort of allegiance to the, the the team. Is that right? That that is fake news. Okay. Okay. Um, so I consider myself a Royals optimist. Um, I think any sane Royals fan going into this season did not expect to go to the playoffs. Um, I agree a lot with what Scott said. To me, I work a lot of nights, so I can't watch the games. So I get on my app, I check the score. For me, I would love to be winning. I would love to win games. But to me, I check the player's stats before the score. Yeah. Because I think the future, the future's there. So when you look at Witt and Mondesi, as he mentioned, Dozier's, you know, overexceeded probably what most people expect. What's the difference really between losing 95 and 105 games? Mm-hmm. You're not going to make the playoffs. So the optimistic side of me looks back to 2011. Pitching is easier to get. I feel like the position players are there. We know Nicky Lopez is coming up. I'm optimistic, you yeah. know? I Yeah, and I think a lot of people, what was it, Rustin? Was it the first game of the Astros series where Dozier hit the game tying Homer in the eighth and other guys in the game, I mean, Witt had a good game. You had a couple of uh, – Mondesi had a triple had a or whatever. Home, a, they both had home they runs. They both had yeah. home runs. And that was like the – and they ended up losing. Everybody knew they were going to lose in the 10th, I think it was, on a walk-off. But that was like the quintessential Royals game this year where I can remember everybody on Twitter was was like, okay, the Royals are going to lose. I mean, the ninth, 10th, whatever, they're going to lose. But this is this is it. This is the – because I think the starting pitching, I don't know who it was, was, it was decent it was, that night. Jake Junis was pretty good, although he gave up a, a kind of a cheap home run late. Yeah, uh, they're all, like in the they're all cheap home runs well, in that, I'm that just, Yeah, ball it was in Houston. Part. But everybody's like, okay, this is, this is the game. This is the game of 2019 where, okay, the pieces are playing well. The right pieces are putting it together. Yeah, they're going to lose, but this is, this is the, the future. This is what it can be. So that's the game I remember. I think that highlights a lot of people's thoughts on on what the Royals are, and like you said, they're not going to make the playoffs. Everybody no, realizes I, that, but more those games are fine right there. Maybe not getting shut out by the uh, by the Astros two nights later, or shut out by the Phillies, but uh, more of the, those games. And I think fans are have realistic expectations and deal and with that. I've heard a lot of people say this is the best worst team they've ever seen. <laughs> And I don't necessarily know if that's true. I don't really know what that means. I think we're one of the more fun worst teams I've ever seen. Between the speed, yeah, um, you know, we're hitting more home runs. Uh, It's a fun team to watch as opposed to, you know, growing up in high school, 2004-05. They lost 100-plus games, and they were not fun to watch. And and the lineup was full of Dudas in Owings. There were not... Uh, uh, you know, it wasn't six or seven homegrown guys with potential guys that you saw. And back then it was like, I didn't know, like when I started coming to this team is like the late nineties, I thought baseball and it kind of did work this way for a long time. I was like, all right, you develop good players, you know, they're good for three or four years and they go to the Yankees. That's what happens. And it's kind of what happened here for a long time. Well, there is like the old question of like, would you rather have, uh, you know, just a team with great pitching that never scores into runs and you lose like that? Or would you rather have a great offense and, then, and give up a lot of runs? Like that one, yeah. yeah. And then, and 
you can look at it both ways, but like I think this this Royals team pretty much proves that people would prefer to have a good offense. Yeah. And and then yeah, it's frustrating when you lose, but it it's like I've I've heard a few times where people are like, Man, I cannot believe this team is this good but loses so many games. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Well, like I I, I I can kind of, I, I can kind of see why they do. Because I can they, get behind that. Is bad. Let's bring in Scott here uh, after this comment. I, I um, I, I can, I can get that. I mean, like the o four, five, o six teams. I can remember a ton of Royals teams that won more games than this that were did not have the talent as this year's squad. How long have you been a fan, Scott? Yeah, yeah, a long time. Back in the, yeah, but I mean, I was, I was thinking how formidable like the middle infield is right now relative to where it was. You know, it's been better. It's better now than it was at any point growing up. You know, back to Ray Sanchez and you know whoever else. Nafi Perez there. at shortstop. Yeah. yeah. Angel Baroa uh, had I, a good rookie year, I guess. <laughs> Short. He did. He did. And I, you know, the other frustrating thing, I think, we kind of we kind of had the model in twenty in, in two World Series runs that were basically predicated on contact offense. And now we've got the bottom third of the rotation, the bottom third of the lineup that's getting on base at like a 280 clip. Uh, so I, I guess that's the other thing. It kind of, what do we want to be? Um, and that's why I thought those signings didn't make any sense at all. But, uh, you know, not, not totally hoping on that. I do think that there, I told Rustin early on that I was excited by storylines this year because it seems like the last two years the storyline was, okay, is Moose, is Moose gone? And then when is Kelvin getting traded? And now we got something new to look at, uh, which is, you know, Ryan O'Hearn and, and Hunter Dozier. Um, and so I feel like we're getting there. We're almost there. It's, it's wholeheartedly agree with Matt that I, that I look at the box score before I look at the, the actual score because that's just completely irrelevant. But if you sign on and you see good, uh, you know, a couple, couple of the young guys having good nights, it's, you know, keeps me coming back for more at least. Good stuff there. We're here with Scott and Matt, Mick and Rustin here on Dodd Save the Royals, just kind of getting the pulse of the fan here. Um, as we wrap this thing up, um, what, what, what do you think? So we're at the quarter polish or whatever we want to call it here, uh, mark of the season. At midway through the season, next time we kind of revisit, kind of take a step back and look at this team as a whole, Rustin, where, where, where is it going to be? Is it gonna did you be... just say the quarter pole again? I did, yeah. yeah. I said ish, ish. quarter pole ish, because yes, uh, you've you've corrected us. But okay, mid pole. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, midway point in the season, uh, is it going to? Are they going to be pacing on the same same direction to this many losses, or is something going to change? Is it going to get better? Could it get worse? We're pr- predict the future here for us. I think um, they're not going to lose a hundred games, and I think they're oh, on pace good. to lose a hundred and five or hundred and seven or whatever. Like their their bullpen seems to have stabilized and. Their starting rotation has obviously regressed a little bit, and I don't think their starting rotation is ever really going to be better than maybe you know bottom five and bottom ten mm-hmm. in the majors. But uh, they have enough offense, and their bullpen is stabilized. They're, I think they'll probably lose somewhere in like in the neighborhood of ninety-five to ninety-six or ninety-seven games. Um, and but you know I, I I can't do the math that quickly in my head. But considering where they're at right now, that would almost be playing just like slightly. Uh, you know, a couple of games under 500 a month uh, for the rest of the year, which would be like relatively competitive baseball. Yeah, you'd be fine with that. All right, Scott, thanks for the time. Matt, thanks for the time as well. We appreciate it joining us. First live thanks, guest. Scott. Yeah, well, it's been a while since we've had a live guest. That's been. 
Was it, was it everything you imagined it would be? <laughs> it was. <laughs> and, and, and more. Thanks so much, Scott. Yeah. All right. All that's left of this are the toasts here, Rustin. What are we going to do? I, I'll do it so you don't take it away from me. Uh, not that you're going to pick him. I'm going to toast uh, Scott Barlow. Okay. He's the only guy in the bullpen. Uh, with the pulse, the only guy that does anything that I pay attention to, the only name that I know. I will learn his name because he's been good as of late out of the bullpen. Here's my toast to Scott Barlow. I'm sure his, I don't know, his numbers are really good over a span of time. I didn't look them up. I just know he's been good at baseball recently, and they need more of that in the bullpen. So here, here, Scott Barlow. I, I wish the like people could see you right now because you have like we had a, the video. Yeah, you have a high school. Is that your son's high school? That's my son's baseball, middle school. Middle, middle school, school, and you're, you're raising a cute. Uh, yeah, like big this gold is, thing. This is, uh, this sounds... is Western Shawnee. I'm all about it. Okay, <laughs> it's very much like uh, Johnson County dad right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, check all those boxes. <laughs> this is the polo I played golf in earlier this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Okay, um, I, I I toasted to this on the Sunday sound off. Um, so I'm I'm plagiarizing myself here. Uh, but like, if you haven't, cool story on The Athletic and was out at the K, uh, Dusty Wathen, who's the third base coach yes. of, the, uh, of uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies, was back in town. Um, and he, obviously his dad was managed the Royals, played for the Royals. His sister, Dina, works for the Royals. Um, so nice family reunion for them. He told the story, and I feel like this has been written before because I had heard this story before about how he was babysat by George Brett. Um, including there was like one time in Oakland, he had a younger brother. They were like seven and four. Uh, George Brett was like, told John Wathan, like, hey, you know, like go out with your wife, like just go out to dinner, <laughs> you know, whatever. And John Wathan was like, uh, I don't know, man. And so he convinced him to. So George Brett uh, hung out in the hotel room with a couple of young kids, seven <laughs> and a four-year-old. And apparently George Brett like passed out and fell asleep. And uh, they Fell asleep or passed out? Well, They're different things. I don't know. Uh, and then, so they were just the the parents came back and they were just watching the jerk, uh, the, the Steve Martin <laughs> yes, classic, and it is a uh, classic. and just raising hell as George Brett slept. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it's a good story. Um, I like it. I like it. Um, and the Wathans are great. Uh, so is could he be a manager someday soon? Is he on that on that path? Is he on that arc, Rustin? Um, the younger Wathen? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, I mean, he was a finalist for the Phillies manager's job. Yeah. It came down to him and Gabe Kapler, um, and I think he he also interviewed for the Rangers' job this past off season. Yeah. Um, so I would say the odds are better. Uh, I mean, obviously it's going to help if the, the Phillies are good, mm-hmm. but like he's on that path where I would not be surprised if he's a manager within the next uh, three to five years. All right, sounds like a plan. We're wrapping things up. This has been Dodd Save the Royals for Rustin Dodd. I'm Mick Schaefer. We'll see you next time. I was born in Cal.